I want to talk to you about a topic and found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 17. How many here mark their Bibles? Raise your hand. You mark your Bible in some way. Wow, wow, that's great. That's great. I bet that's three-quarters, maybe more of the folks here. You mark your Bible. I, I have numbers of Bibles that I have read through over and over and over again and marked them, made notes in them. They're an accumulation of what I've learned about Scripture. And then when I go to a new Bible, I take all of those notes, transfer them over to the I take the old Bible notes, transfer them to the new Bible, and then add on to those as I go. I don't know if my grandchildren ever want those, but I have those ready to give to them uh, after I'm gone. They can have those and maybe encourage as they read through some of the things that I've learned, maybe could share with them. Um, but I like to mark my Bible. I have marked it since the very fast I started reading the book. Early on, 18 years old, I started marking the book. You say, doesn't it shorten the life of it? Yes, it does. But it shortens the life of it, but improves my comprehension. Because I do not have a photographic memory. Everybody said, amen. I do not have a photographic memory. I wish I did, but I don't. And I have to have little reminders and little reviews and all kinds of other stuff. And these people that are doing these verses, you can tell they don't have a photographic memory either. Because you notice they know the verse when they're in their seat. They know it. And they come up here, turn around, look at you, and some short circuit happens. It is, it's what happens when you try to memorize Scripture. But it helps them. I, I'm one of the people who mark my Bible. I love to mark favorite passages, memory verses. I, I have a little code system, M for memory, you know. Q for question, S for sermon idea, all kinds of things I put through Scripture are my own particular thing. Some of the sections of Scripture speak to me so strongly, so directly. It's almost God himself highlights those sections or maybe a verse or a section of verses. It's almost as I'm reading through it, like God stops you and highlights that. And I, I try to mark those special places where God's taking me to. I copy down outlines occasionally, not often, but outlines of good outlines. I think of a passage, I'll put it down in the, in the text. Um, when Scott Pauley preaches, I try to put some of his outlines down in my, in my Bible, uh, too. I appreciate old Scott. I mark sermon ideas and different things. That's all fine. That's all good. But the question I ask you, do you allow the, the Bible to mark you? You mark your Bible, but do you let the Bible mark you? I hope you do. I asked you some questions this morning. How much has the Bible marked you, changed you? That's what I mean by marking you, changed you. How much has Jesus Christ marked you? Or if I may say changed you, think about it. Uh, it marked the early apostles dramatically changed their life. They went from being common fishermen in the Sea of Galilee to having a fairly simplistic life to challenging the powers that be uh, with, with the message that Jesus saves. All of them were martyred except, I believe, for one, uh, the apostle of love, the apostle John, uh, historically at least, was not. But the rest of them were martyred. Thomas went over to India went over to India, and even today there still are churches in India with his name on them, Thomas. 
and what it is where he spent his life over evangelizing in India. Some of them went to Africa, and they evangelized, and God was with them and helped them. God marked those men. He changed the direction of their planned life. Uh, God has marked me. I had all kinds of big old plans I had for my life, and they were detailed, and pretty much the whole, and I, all that was just trashed. All that was just thrown away. When God, when God marked me and came to me, saved me, he changed my, actually changed my whole world. I like it where it says, here comes the men that turn the world upside down. That's just what happens. When God marks you, he turns your world upside down pretty much. He changes so much in your world. I'll try to help you with that. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 17, one phrase there, just one verse. From henceforth, let no man trouble me. You got to remember that's at the sixth chapter of the book of Galatians where he had he had gone into the, in the area of Galatia, a lot of churches in there. He had been beaten. I think he had been killed, resurrected. Uh, he, had, he had paid a price for getting the gospel of these churches in Galatia. And he had given them the truth as he knew it, as the Holy Spirit gave it to him. And then false, false teachers, false prophets came behind Paul and began to tell people you had to be circumcised to be saved. You had to be under the law of Moses and under grace. By the way, that heresy is still with us today. It's called Seventh-day Adventism. They believe in both, the law of Moses and the grace of God, that you have to keep the law of Moses and be saved by the grace of God. The thing is, nobody ever could keep the law of Moses. The law of Moses was made to convince you you were a sinner unable to save yourself. And so that you would flee to Jesus who offered you salvation as a free gift. A free gift of eternal life. That's the, that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what it's all about. That doesn't mean it's without obligation on your life. And it also doesn't mean, if I may say by the 17th verse of the 6th chapter, it doesn't mean that God's not going to mark you. When you receive that free salvation, then your life then begins to change in, count, in conformity to his life. And that sure is a lot different than what you probably planned for your life. The word mark is a Greek word, stigma. It was where we get our word stigma. Stigmatism. Is, stigmatism is an eye problem. There you go, Bill. Stigma is what I don't want. I don't mean stigmatism. Erase that out of your mind. Stigma is a bad thing, usually considered a bad thing. You have a stigma of being a former convict. Just you get you get put in prison for something, a felony, and you have that as a stigma throughout your whole life that you have been placed in prison, and so you you have this on you and. It, Interesting, Paul says, I have the stigma. And he said it in a plural form, marks. I have the stigmas, multiple stigma of the Lord Jesus Christ on my life. Paul had been marked by the Lord Jesus Christ, and let me say it was painful, but it was clear who he stood for. The word stigma also can be translated brand. I have the brand marks of Jesus Christ on me. He owns me, and he has branded me as his own. 
Years ago in Florida, they used to have what they call free-ranging cattle. In other words, nobody was allowed to put a fence up. You had no fences. Did they do that in Kansas who have free-ranging? Where the cow, cows just kind of went where they went, and everybody branded their animals. They branded their cows. They branded their horses, depending on what they were, and they would be allowed the free range. And then at a certain time of year, the cowboys would go out there, and they would round these cows up wherever they could find them, and they would check the brands on them, and they would separate theirs from maybe their neighbors or somebody else's, and cattle rustling, which was taking somebody else's cow, was a punishment by death uh, for a long time out west. So you didn't take somebody else's cow for your own. It was a big deal. But this free-ranging thing was a beautiful while it lasted, but all these, all these animals had brands on them. Same word, stigma. Now, have you ever seen a branding? Y'all have internet? You ever seen branding on internet or TV? You don't have to see it in person. Yeah. Well, branding is an ugly process. Uh, branding is a, you, 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 you tree huggers, pet lovers, uh, would have a real hard time with being out there on the farm when they started doing the branding. Because you take this animal who you, you squeeze them down into a chute, a squeeze chute, and when they get down in there, you squeeze them in where they can't really hurt themselves and hurt you. And you got this red hot uh, brand that you've made up. In my case, it would be maybe uh, uh, the Circle W. That would be William with a circle around it. If there wasn't somebody else had that brand, I get my own brand. It's like having a corporate seal. And so you say, okay, I got the Circle W. I'd take all my cows and we'd, we'd get them down into that chute there. And we get that thing hot, and we go in the, on the rear end area of this cow. You would put that on him, and you would burn through the hair and into the skin. Now, you know that don't feel good. A cow don't like that. But you're doing it for his protection. You're doing that so that he can be made sure that it's yours. The Bible says, in some degree, God Almighty, when you come to him in simple childlike faith, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You believe that God, the Lord Jesus Christ gave his blood for you. It was accepted by God the Father for all the sin that had ever been committed if people would repent. And if you will come in simple repentance and faith in that blood shed for you and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, Believe he was resurrected from the dead. God says, I'll qualify you with my brand. I'll brand you. I'll brand you. I said all that to tell you, it can be painful. God's brand is not without pain. Uh, when I got right with God and, and uh, he, I knew that his brand would be upon me, I, I, I remember weeping in some degree, crying because of the things that I would not be able to be part of. I had a plan for my life, and I knew those plans that I had would be gone. Because now, I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. I'm purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, nobody owns me. Oh, yeah. About Jesus said in 844, John, you're of your father the devil. 
Now, let me say this straight up and down. You're either, your father is the devil or your father is the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only two people in the world biblically. Biblically, there's only two groups of people in the world. Those who have the father, their Lord Jesus Christ, or those who have their natural father, their birth father, which is Jesus said is the devil. Look it up, John 8, 44, and so many other places. So, uh, you're going to go where your father goes. Jesus is on the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us right now. He's in heaven. Wherever Jesus is, that's heaven. And wherever Jesus is, that's where I'm going to go because he's my Father. He, I have his brand. To be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. People ask me, well, do you, do you have soul sleep? You don't have soul sleep. I believe death is just walking through a door. And about as thick as the door is, you may have a little unconscious moment there between the door, but as soon as you get to the other side, you're conscious again. And I think an angel comes and gathers those dead. An angel shows up. If you see a young man in, in white clothing and he knows your name, you probably are going. No matter how many times they try to paddle you. If he says go, you're going. But praise the Lord, we get to go where Jesus is. Where's Jesus? He's in heaven. I'm going to heaven. Joe Witness and so many of them cultures say, you're not going to heaven, not going to heaven. Look. Argue all you want. Jesus is in heaven. I'm going to be with him. He's in heaven, so I'm going to heaven. I'm branded by him. I'm, I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. And those that have not trusted Christ are of the, their father, the devil. And where's the devil going? The Bible says clearly in the book of Revelation, he's being cast into the lake of fire to be tormented day and night without rest. And those who follow him will also have that same punishment. Nobody in this room wants that in their right mind, would want that kind of punishment. So the unsaved in some direction are branded also. They have a stigma of their father. We have the stigma of our father. And so it's painful. Paul's come to this last chapter of Galatians. He said, look, don't quit troubling me. I have the brand marks of Lord Jesus Christ on me. I'm not my own. I'm doing his will here. He's argued with them through the doctrine of God. He's corrected their drift to the left. He's rebuked their false teachers. He's shown the pure way that Christians are supposed to live, free from the law, but under as a bondservant of God, under grace. It says in Romans chapter 6, verse 12, you're not under the law, but under what? You're under something. Right? Is anybody you with me this morning? You got to say something. This is going to turn into be a long sermon. I don't know I can fire you up. We're not under the law, but under grace. It doesn't say there's a third group that's not under something. You're either under the condemnation of the law that you're a sinner, unable to save yourself, and you're going to have to stand before Jesus and answer for your own sin and eventually be cast in the lake of fire. Or you're under grace over here, where by the, by you're, you're standing not in your own righteousness, but in the righteousness which was, uh, which was purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ for you as a gift. And so when I stand before Jesus, nothing in my hands I bring, only to the cross I claim. I don't have any attestation of, I'm not going to go for God and say, oh, I did this, I did that, I did that, I did that. That's all going to fade away, brother. You're going to say, I am his child. I bear in my body the brand marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he has ownership on me. When you come into contact with Jesus and his words, you get marked from above. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20. What? Know ye not that the body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? You're not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I don't own myself. I don't have rights to myself. He has rights to me. I don't have a right to quit. Servants don't have rights. Let me try to help you. The word servant is the word bond slave. Paul bragged in the New Testament about being a bond slave of Jesus Christ. That meant he was a for lifelong slave. Now, this word is not popular today, amen? Slave, slave. But slavery is what we are in Christ. We are now a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're bragging about it. We're not upset about it. We're glad about it. We're, we're praise God, he's put a mark on us. Praise God, he bought me from that horrible pit, put my feet upon a solid rock, and established my going. Glory to God for all that. So how did he mark me? He marked me with the Holy Spirit of God, didn't he? He says, don't you know your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? You know God is jealous. Did you know that God is a jealous God? The Bible says that. He's possessive is what that means. He paid a high price for your salvation. He cannot have given more for you. His brand, he brands you like he did the children of Israel. Let me go back to Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6. Children of Israel, Old Testament. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, he says it again. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all nations that are upon the earth. In the New Testament, it's repeated twice. Titus 2.14 says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Same phrase. A zealous of good works. Uh, we see it again. Let me make sure I got this. First uh, Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Four times that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's our job, to show the world the light. Salvation in Christ separates you from the world. It marks you. It brands you. It scars you, if I may put it that way, as it gives you a stigma that you are a Christian, a child of the living God. How do I know I got this mark? Go into a group of unsaved workers, unsaved people. Just any, it can be executives, it can be CEOs, it could be, it could be uh, workers along, you know, it could be utility workers, uh, maybe even firemen. That's a rough group. But you could go among them, and as a born-again Christian, it doesn't take long for them to figure out something's wrong with you. And pretty soon they'll nickname you the preacher. Oh, that's that Bible man. That's that, that's that guy. And they, 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 you got a stigma on you. You got a mark on you. 
And even, I'm going to tell you this, even if you try to hide it, it's going to come out. It just comes out. Why? Their spirit witnesses with your spirit that you're different. It's an invisible thing. It's a thing you walk in a room almost, and they can tell. you one of them. you one of them. So I'm thinking, man, what do I got a glow about me? I got like a Moses. I got like a glow. Are you looking at me? It is the Holy Spirit's witness. This mark will, will spare you, however, in the end time. I think of the judgment on Ezekiel chapter 9. Talks about the Babylonians coming in and judging the children of Israel, wiping them out for what they did. And in verse chapter 9, verse 4, he says this, And the Lord said unto him, to this angel, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. I preached on that verse a while back. Do you sigh and cry for the abominations that are being done in our midst. All I can tell you is in Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 4, he told the angel, I want you to go through Jerusalem. I'm getting ready to destroy the whole city. I want you to go through the city and you find the people who are sad, who are remorseful about the wickedness of the heathen around them. I hope you know, Lot's Bible says in Peter, Lot's soul was vexed at the ungodly behavior of those people around him. Are you vexed this morning? Are your soul vexed at the ungodly? Are you vexed at transgenderism? Are you vexed at homosexuality? Are you vexed at immorality? Are you vexed at living together, people living together? Are you vexed at pornography? Are you vexed at child pornography? Are you vexed at, at white slavery? Are you vexed at all of these that they are you vexed at the drunkenness of America? Are you vexed at the drug overdoses and the are you vexed at the drug inundation of our country? Are you vexed at the evil of lying and stealing that's going on in our country? You should be. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, He's vexed. The whole, God himself is vexed. You should be vexed. The stigma should be upon you. The mark of Lord Jesus Christ. That you are vexed with what he's vexed. That you hate what he hates. That you love what he loves. Does that make sense to you? If you're part of God, and you have the Holy Spirit in his word, wouldn't it make sense that you would be of one mind with him? Would it not make sense that your values would be the same as God's values if you've been bought with a price and you're not your own and you're inhabited of the blessed Holy Spirit? That's what it means to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. What's all that mean? I don't get taller in Jesus. I get convinced that his way is the best way. I get convinced that his values are the right values. I get convinced that the Bible is the very word of God, every little jot and tittle. I get convinced that, there, that he is the Lord of all that is. That's what growing in grace is about. 
Consequently, as I get convinced, my life then begins to conform to my mind. For you are what your philosophy is. Whatever your philosophy of life is, that's kind of who you are, and it's how you act. You act out your philosophy. What's your philosophy of life? They call it your worldview. Dr. Grady McMurtry called it worldview. What's your worldview? That's your philosophy of life. Well, a philosophy is like a rudder on a ship. Massive ship, got a little rudder. That philosophy moves this big ship wherever it's supposed to go. So what you believe changes what you do. It changes where you go. It changes what you think of stuff. So it makes sense that if you're going to places that are wrong and doing things that are wrong, something's wrong somewhere if you say you've been marked by the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me on all? That's all solid Bible truth and teaching. So he said, as I, he went around, this angel went around and marked all these people. In verse 6 of Ezekiel 9, he says, slay utterly This is what I want you to do now after you've marked everybody. He says, go through the city, slay utterly old and young, both maids, little children, and women. Do you know this virus, COVID, could have been the the black plague of Europe? Which just, it could kill 80% instead of one half percent. God just has to go like that, and it takes out 50% rather than a half percent. Do you realize how merciful God has been on the world with this COVID? That it mostly only kills weak people, sick people. It almost doesn't kill children. He could have changed that and still could change that. If I was you, I'd be wanting to live right with God, amen? So he goes here and he says, go. But look what he says. After he says that, he says, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark. Don't come near those who've been marked. And begin at my sanctuary. Begin at my sanctuary is an interesting phrase. Judgment, the Bible says, must begin at the house of God. And if it begin at the house of God, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Where are they going to show up? And brother, God is in some ways shaking us down a little bit, shaking his people up. Are you serious about your salvation? Are you serious about my book? Are you serious about what I've told you? Get serious because I'm shaking you up, showing you a little foretaste of how easily your life can be turned upside down, of how the economy can be destroyed overnight, of how your nation can change hands and leadership. How does it make you feel to think about some of those protesters in Portland being in leadership? How are you marked? The Holy Spirit of God has come in. Now you can't sin like you used to. When I got right with God, there was a time my buddies came by my house, my old sin buddies, you know, they came by my house and wanted to go out you know, for the evening. And I didn't want to go, didn't want to go, didn't want to go. And I said, oh, man, just come along. We won't do anything bad. We'll just want to, we just want you to be with us. 
And I went with them, and they didn't really do anything. They just drove around town. You know, cruise the drag. You know what that's all about. But I was miserable just being with them, just doing, even, even being in the car cruising the drag. I thought, what in the world am I doing in this car? What in the world? I said, man, I'm not like you anymore. I've been saved, born from above. I'm different now. I said, but you, you, you crazy. Of course I'm crazy. I got a stigma. One of my stigmas is I'm crazy. I'm crazy for Jesus. Amen? Uh, the Bible says I'm a fool for Christ. I'm just saying I'm crazy for Jesus. Paul said I'm crazy for Jesus. That's what he meant, but he said a fool. A fool is a crazy man. I'm a crazy man for Jesus. The world thinks I'm crazy. They think I need to be locked up down the road and sedated because I, I believe there's some invisible hand controlling everything. Yeah, that's true. What else, what else does, does this stigma do? It makes me about against everything they're for. I'm a positive person, I really am. I want to be positive, get up every day, thank God for life, thank God for breath, thank God for food, thank God for weather, thank God for uh, shelter, thank God for uh, you know, transportation. I try to thank God all down through the list of everything. But I can tell you that... Uh, I'm against a whole bunch of stuff. What is that stuff, Pastor Bill? Do you really want to know? I'm against what God's against. And you say, how do you know what God's against? Right here. You read this book, and you'll catch every principle that he's put in here that makes clear what's bad and what's good. One of the things that from the book of Romans to the book of Jude in the New Testament, is how to live the Christian life. Book of Romans, book of Jude. First four books tell about Jesus and where he was, where he came from, what he did, his power, his, his rejection, crucifixion, resurrection. That's your first four books, right? Book of Acts says, what did the church do the first hundred years, right? But then you hit Romans. Romans then explains salvation like no other book, but it also tells you how to live. And you go from Romans to the book of Jude, which is a book before the book of Revelation, and it tells you how to live the Christian life. What makes God happy in my life? What makes him not happy in my life? Hebrews chapter 12 said, Christians do some things sometimes that don't make God happy. And consequently, he's got to do a thing called chastisement. And he said, the truth is, everybody as a born-again Christian has been chastised one time or another, which means that every Christian or child of God once in a while walks away from what he knows is right. And he has to get a whooping, as we used to say in the old time. You got to get a spanking. You got to get a whipping. Now, sometimes God, whoo, I always say this, you don't want God to spank you. Amen. I, my mom and dad, sometimes my mom would spank us. It was patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. But my dad, no, 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 no. You didn't want my dad to spank you. You didn't want my dad to take it. Took, he was a gentle man. But once you got him over that edge, gentleness was gone. And I remember my dad, he would take his belt off, and he said, you know, this is going to hurt me worse than it's going to hurt you, and I knew that could not be possible. Thank God he cared about me enough to hurt me. That sounds strange to you. It's not. 
People that train dogs, train animals, you have to hurt them to train them. Amen. Oh, I train with food. Well, I'll put my dog up against yours any day of the week. I train with a shot collar. You train with food. We'll see who's going to do what. Now, I don't do that with my kid. Don't go out here saying, well, I tell put a shot collar on his kid. I didn't put it on his neck. I put it on, no, I, I, I didn't. You're against everything that the world's for. You, you believe God, you believe sex is for marriage. And any sex outside of marriage is an abomination to God and wickedness. That's what you believe. That's a stigma you have. You believe homosexuality is an abomination to God. That's the stigma you have. You believe lewdness is wrong. That's the stigma you have. You believe uh, that modesty, this is going to get you, that modesty is attractive. That makes you crazy in the world's ideas. You believe that, that something that's too short, too low, too tight is wrong. That's the stigma that God has placed on us. He's branded us. You say, well, I, I don't want it. I don't want it. Go ahead and see it. Run from God after he brands you. See what he does. You remember Jonah? Anybody remember Jonah? Yeah, that worked out, didn't it? Jonah says, I don't want to be part of this deal anymore. I'm running from God. Give it a shot. Because once you've been branded with the Holy, with the Holy Spirit of God's birthed you, He's, he's baptized you. He's anointed you. He's in you forever. You don't get to tell God, well, I think I made a mistake on that. You can tell him that. But that's like getting my dad riled up. Don't do it. But he's your, he loves you. He gave himself for you. You can run, but you cannot hide. Jonah figured that out the hard way, didn't he? You say, what happened to Jonah? You know, when he was three days, three nights in the belly of the whale, my, I have a theory about that. When he walked into this city, Nineveh, he preached an eight-word sermon. That was the shortest sermon a Baptist ever preached and got results. The whole city repented from top to bottom. Some people said, why would they have listened to this one guy that's walking through their city and saying, you know, 40 days the city's going to be destroyed. I mean, there's nuts on every, there's crazy people on every corner. Well, it could be that when he was three days and three nights in that old uh, belly of that fish, that maybe that bleached him. Some people think it bleached him, it marked him. And he was like a total albino albino. And he walked through that city. They thought, this man, this guy, this guy, what in the world? Who is this? And somehow they paid attention. Well, it could also be the Spirit of God came through that city, too. I agree with all that. I don't know if that was true or not, but something happened where they believed Jonah. Jonah ran from God, uh, but he didn't get too far. You're God's property now. You're his child now. Consequently, you're held responsible now. You're held accountable now. You're valuable to him. Now, to most, people, to most of his people, they rejoice in this mark and are thrilled with being a child of God and thrilled that God loves you and cares for you. I think of the, yesterday I was looking at a little sparrow was outside the window, a little, little bird about that big, and I thought about 
Oh, there's not a sparrow that falls without your father's noticing it. The very hairs of your head are numbered. I thought, you mean God cares about me that much? You know what's been hard for me? It's been hard for me to put my mind around that God loves me that much. He does. He does. And he's going to prove it to you as time goes on. Absolutely. From henceforth, let no man trouble me. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, help us understand how we've been branded as a Christian, marked as a Christian. May we live it to the fullest. May we, may we cast our lot in with the things of God. May we put our hand to the plow, not look back. May, Lord God, you help us to be faithful servants, faithful unto death someday. Give us a crown of life. Father, just help your people in this moment of a worldwide situation going on. We pray that we would shine as lights in the midst of this darkness. Fear is gripping the unsaved people because they're fear, they fear death. The Bible says they fear death their whole life. The closer they get to it, the more they fear it. We born-again believers do not fear death. We say, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? We're free. Jesus said, if you, he that believeth, liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And it said we won't even see death. So as a believer, whatever happens, COVID, no COVID, Cancer, no cancer. Automobile accident, no automobile accident. Uh, stroke, no stroke. Heart attack, no heart attack. We just trust in God every day because we know that we have eternal life given to us through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and simple childlike faith. Help us, Father. May some people here today, there be solidified, encouraged, strengthened to be strong in the faith and the power of his might. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand if you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.